0: Ooh, girl, turn that up. What song is this? Girl, this my song. You don't know this?
1: I don't think so. Let me turn it up. OK.
0: I like this. Girl, right? Girl, this my jam.
1: Hello and welcome back to my sister's jam. This is Camille, and I am here with my lovely, favorite co-host, Big Sister Missy. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Where you at?
0: Is you at my house? I'm home? in here,
1: girl. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm in here, the other world, girl. Y'all, we are recording from the same home today. I am at my sister's house, and we are recording together. In front of a live studio audience of our mama. <laughs> mama is over here too. Mama in the house. So she gets to hear the unedited, raw, uncut version as <laughs> it's being born. So
0: and she probably ain't going to
1: remember none of it. No way. She still listening, yeah. to Right. <laughs> hopefully <laughs> the
0: recording is okay. Because this is our first time doing this. And we're like, why do I hear
1: Echo? So. Yeah, y'all. So just give us a little grace if it comes out a little strange. But yeah, Missy is going um, on a little trippy trip, so we had to make some things happen and pull some strings to get the episode out this week in a timely fashion. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that's where we're at. So just bear with us. Give us some grace. and We just love y'all so much. We had to make sure we had this episode out for y'all. I got my drink. I am drinking my old school favorite drink. This is what I used to drink. When I first started going out, y'all, I was 21, 22 years old. Tequila and pineapple. And it is bringing back, back such good memories. And it is muy delicioso. I think sis just got her usual. I um, do. And I got one more time yeah. to spill
0: this drink, too. And I'm going to just throw it across the room. What, what is happening? I don't understand.
1: Tell my sister, don't spill no drinks. Okay, <laughs> don't feel no drinks. She's sitting on her phone. I said, Don't, don't worry about the phone. Stop spilling drinks is the thing, <laughs>
0: right? I mean, can I drink? Am I a toddler? What
1: it, it's all right, we're gonna get it together. Well, listeners, on today's episode, we will be discussing some of our favorite jams that are about places like geographical locations, areas, cities, towns. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. But
0: first, First, a shout out to some of our listeners and social media followers. So Facebook follower, Anna Jones, hey girl, commented on our favorite Breakup Jams episode. She went in about We Can't Be Friends by Deborah Cox and R.L. Saying, this song hit right when I needed it to. I loved and overplayed this song to death. Same, sis, same. Okay. (laughs) We also overplayed it, girl. So, yes, thank you for that. Instagram follower and listener Big Dre Day 373 was our first Instagram follower to correctly guess our episode topic from our hit reels. So we usually post a hint to the topic that we're going to discuss every Wednesday. And he's the first to get it right. So y'all start looking hey. out for those posts on Wednesday try to figure out what the topic is going to be on that Thursday and go ahead and chime in. And he was the first one to get it. It was our Jermaine Dupri
1: episode. Hey, Dre. Hey, Dre, you get bragging rights for getting the answer right.
0: (laughs) And we had a new listener on Spotify named Charmaine. Hey girl, who answered answered our Q and a question on our soundtrack to my sister's life episode, where we asked, what is a song that's a part of your life soundtrack? And she responded with The Bridge Is Over by Boogie Down Productions. So it's nothing like a classic 80s hip-hop jam by KRS-One to get you thinking about your life journey. Girl, we feel you. Hip-hop was there for you, wasn't it, girl?
1: Yes! Absolutely. (laughs) And those are our shout-outs for the week. Shout-out to y'all. Well. Everybody, of course, want to remind you, check out the show notes for the list of songs that will be discussed in the episode. They are all there. The playlists are linked. So take a look so you can see the songs. And of course, you can check our social media. The songs will be there as well on Thursday so you know what's going on. Well, sister, are you ready to give us today's This Day in Music History Facts? Today is September 28th.
0: It is the 28th, and on this day in 1972, the Temptations classic, Papa Was a Rolling Stone, was released. The single had to be cut to 6 minutes and 58 seconds as there was not enough vinyl on the 45 record to handle the 11 minute and 46 seconds album version. First of all. So, like, the beginning was just, like, a lot of music before he came Mm -hmm. in with it was the third of september it was like all this music before he came in I see. so that's what made it so long i think there may have been like something at the end too i don't know but um and in 1995 singer bobby brown escapes injury in a drive-by shooting in the roxbury section of boston that claims the life of his sister's fiancé and leaves his car riddled with bullets. And those are our two This Day in Music History facts.
1: Very good. Thank you for that. Well, y'all, I guess it's that time to jump right directly into the jam. My sister, Missy, if you're ready, go ahead and give us your first jam
0: my first jam about a geographic location is Nutbush City Limits by Ike and Tina Turner. From their 1973 album of the same name under the now defunct United Artists label, Nutbush City Limits was one of the last hits from the husband-wife duo Ike and Tina Turner that they released together written by the queen of rock and roll herself tina turner i love some tina turner and -hmm. produced by ike turner now i was going to call him some but i didn't Uh because i'm classy i'm classy classy. i gotta keep it
1: classy yes we are
0: okay Mm -hmm. and produced by ike turner the song is a semi-autobiographical tale about Tina's hometown of Nutbush, located in Haywood County, Tennessee. Since her divorce from Ike in 1976, Tina re-recorded the hit multiple times, including a live version as a B-side to her single Private Dancer and a modern dance-style version she recorded in 1991 for her compilation album Simply the Best. The classic was a hit for the duo, charting at number 22 on the Billboard Hot 100 and number 4 on the UK Singles Chart. Now, fun fact about this song though. So, apparently Australians have a special love for this song. When the original version in 1973 was released, they created a line dance. Now, remember this was the, the disco era was still going strong at this
1: time. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: So they created this line dance to it. That blew all the way up and has become, it's become so ingrained in their culture that the line dance is even taught in school. You know, even though the song is about a small American town in Tennessee, the Australians have claimed the tune and the line dance as their own. (laughs) It's played at weddings and other functions, even to this present day. And the line dance got renewed life, this time internationally via TikTok, when someone went viral doing the line dance. And so then when it blew up and it's like all over TikTok and then Americans started doing it, Australians were surprised to find out that it was literally only them that knew about this dance. <laughs> no, no, no one else was doing a line dance in the Bush City Limits in any no, other I
1: need to see this. Like, what in the world? I'm gonna learn. It. We're gonna we're gonna do it. Y'all, if y'all wanna see us do this, dance in real. <laughs>
2: we're
1: gonna start a Nut-Nush city limits challenge. <laughs> if we get how many? If we get some amount of y'all to say y'all wanna see it, we're gonna do it. <laughs> Is it hard? to dance 30. Cool?
0: No, it's not. And it's actually pretty cool. And it goes perfectly with the song. Like I did look at it while I was doing these notes. And I was like, oh, okay, cute, cute. <laughs> Easy to learn, okay. Okay, and we so found out, yep. It's like, it's, it's like that in Australia. But I think it's very cool that an I song has such a long-lasting, heavy influence on another country. Yes. Like, I love I love that.
1: That and is so, pretty cool.
0: Yes, but aside, you know, all of that aside, the song is a banger. Everybody knows the Bush City Limits If you don't, where is you at?
1: If you don't, head to the playlist. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Head to the the playlist. But that is my
0: first jam about a geographic location.
1: I love it. Well, my first jam is Havana, a song recorded by Cuban-American singer Camila Cabello featuring rapper Yantha. It was released on song. August third. Yes. Released on August third of twenty seventeen. And you know, I might need to put a special effect in the episode right here, like a little noise. We need to give her um an award for being the most recent song I think we've discussed on this podcast so far, twenty seventeen. <laughs> I would say we even came this far in the future yet. Come you on, know, Camilla. You even gave me a reason to talk about some semi-current music. Yay! Uh, wow.
0: That is awesome. Like, she does... We do need to come up with, like, some kind of like, My sister's like, Jam
1: Award. Like, she's, she's winning an award. Like, congrats. You made it, and your song is, like, newer than 2007. Congratulations! Come on, Camilla! <laughs> come on, girl. Anyway... Um, It was released, like I said, August 3rd, 2017, along with OMG from her solo debut album, Camilla, released in 2018. It was initially released as a promotional single, then it was serviced to radio on September 8th, 2017, as an actual single. And due to its rising success, Havana later became the official lead single of Camilla, uh, replacing Crying in the Club. Now, I don't know her song Crying in the Club, but that title is very intriguing. Crying in the Club? That does not sound good, but I need to find out what that song is about. I guess it's about Crying in the Club, but I need to listen to it. Anyway, Mm. in November of 2017, a remix version of the song with Puerto Rican rapper Daddy Yankee was uploaded to her YouTube page. Now, the first verse of the remix is sung in Spanish and Daddy Yankee replaces Young Thug's verse. So I haven't heard that either, but that might be fire. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, Havana is a salsa-inspired mid-tempo pop and Latin song with R&B pop beats on which she embraces her Cuban heritage. Now, Sadie Bell of Billboard interpreted the line Half of My Heart is in Havana, as the song chronicling a romance that found Camilla's heart left down south. Uh-oh. Now, Rolling Stone, yeah, hmm. Rolling Stone's Britney Spanos said that in the clubby smooth track Middle falls in love with a mysterious suitor from East Atlanta though she's left her heart in her hometown. It's just uh, a cute little song it's definitely a vibe. I love
0: the song love it. Yes
1: now Havana received critical acclaim with music critics calling the song sultry and bouncy which is such a good description and I need to really like study a thesaurus or something because it's, I can never think of good adjective no, <laughs> no, I thought that was me. That was me. I also can't. I just be like, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> like like it's, it's fire. Like it's. <laughs> yeah. But they are much better at this than me. It is sultry and bouncy. Like that's perfect. Um, but Havana peaked at the top of the Billboard Hot 100. And outside of the United States, Havana topped the charts in 23 countries' including Australia, Canada, Chile, France, and the UK. Mm -hmm. It's certified diamond in six countries. It won the Video of the Year Award at the 2018 MTV Video Music Awards, Mm -hmm. where it also received three other nominations, and a live version of the song would later be nominated for a Grammy Award for Best Pop Solo Performance at the 61st Annual Grammys. So definitely got some recognition, that's for sure. Ooh, diamond. Okay, girl. Yes. Havana was certified diamond in October 2021 for selling 10 million units, making her the second Latina to achieve this milestone, only behind Cardi B and her hit, Bodak Yellow. 10 Pretty million? Cool. Wow. Yes. That's crazy. That it is. Okay.
0: Well, not surprising because yeah, so that-, that is a whole jam.
1: Because it's a jam, and that is my first jam.
0: All right. Okay, y'all. Let's get into my second jam about geographic locations, and that is Empire State of Mind by Jay-Z featuring Alicia Keys. So I got to give a disclaimer because this is another monumental moment in our baby podcast history. So this is the first time since we started this podcast, y'all, where one of us has picked a song and the other of us dislikes the
1: song. (laughs) The very first time. First first time.
0: time. So you guys are having this first with us. I love this song. And it's Missy, by the way, if Mm y'all don't know the difference between us yet. I (laughs) love this song. Camille does not. Insert sad I don't.
1: I do not love this song. I don't uh, hate the
0: song, but right. I sure
1: don't love it.
0: <laughs> right. Well, I did and do. My kid does. He actually loves the. So you know how Alicia Keys came out with another version with her just singing. It's like another song, but it's called "Empire State hmm. of Mind" too. But it's slow, and it's her singing hmm. different lyrics. But then she sings the chorus. Oh from yeah, I have heard it. Yes. yes he yes, loves yes. that more than this one so empire state of mind was released in october of 2009 as the third single from the rock nation album the blueprint three empire state of mind was written by brooklyn native singer songwriter and producer angela hunt and her writing partner janet janae sewell Yupik. i know i probably just butchered her name i'm so sorry <laughs>
2: We apologize,
0: Uh, (laughs) Janet. Right. I tried, girl. I did. Hunt grew up in the same building where Jay Z once lived, 560 State Street, which he mentions this address in the song. Now, the two writers were inspired to write the song after a trip to London where they began to experience homesickness. Hunt also fell ill during the trip, and Sewell Yupik's mother, her mother, was also ill back home in the states. And so that made her feel away. So they were talking about how they're always complaining about their city. They're complaining about the busy streets, the crowds, the subway system, but they would be right back there right now if they could. So they mm-hmm. were like, hey, they let's write a song as an ode to our city. And that's what they did for Empire State of Mind. And they submitted it to Roc Nation in hopes that Jay-Z would record it. But the label turned it down. So, okay. All right. They were bummed whatever. So they're at a barbecue. And an executive from EMI Music Publishing happened to hear the demo at a barbecue. He loved it. And he's like, hey, so Jay-Z needs to do this record. They were like, well, (laughs) we submitted it to him. They were like, no. He was like, "Mm -mm. mm-mm. Right. I'll send it to Jay-Z myself. So he sent it to Jay Z. Jay Z loved it and he recorded it that night. So he rewrote some of the verses. So the way Angela and Janet wrote it, they wrote it kind of like song lyrics. You know, lyrics of songs be different than how like rap verses go, right? Mm -hmm. So Jay Z was like, hey, I love it. He rewrote the verses to be like more of a rap style song. And then he like called Angela and is like, hey, are you going to sing this chorus? Like he was totally down for like her singing the chorus. Yeah. he was like, she was like, no, I feel like it would be better if Alicia Keys sang the chorus. Could you get her to do it? She was like, sure. And the rest is yeah. history.
1: And the <laughs> so, rest
0: is history. Right. So I love it. I love that this worked out for uh, Angela and Janet, because I just love seeing girls winning. I'm sorry. I know I'm not Absolutely. sorry. I'm not. I'm not sorry. Like i love. sorry, I'm sorry. Right. And the fact that Jay-Z picked this up, he was like, hey, I love it. And like, he came to them like, hey, what do you guys want me to do? Like, I love that about him yes. too. He was like, yes. he wrote, the, he wrote, rewrote the lyrics, but like he still reached out to them like, hey, what do y'all want? Like what? So I love yes. that. So now this was a monster hit for Jay-Z and Alicia Keys. Monster. Mm-hmm. It went platinum in seven different countries, including mm-hmm. platinum, Nine times over in the U.S., Mm. it went to number one on four different Billboard charts, including the Hot 100, which is the big one, the Hot R&B Hip Hop Songs charts, and the Hot Rap Songs charts. This was Jay-Z's very first number one single on the Hot 100 as a lead artist in his 14-year career. Are we serious? Yes, his first number one on the Billboard Hot 100. So he was probably number one. I didn't do any deeper research. He like, probably had a number one on like the rap and hip hop song chart. He probably had a number one there. But this is the first, his first number one on the Billboard Hot 100
1: as I was a lead really artist. Very surprised by that. That's crazy.
0: Yeah, it is. But I'm like, wow, that is so cool. That is cool. Um, Yes, it was nominated for three awards at the 53rd annual Grammys, winning Best Rap Song Collaboration, and it won for Best Rap Song, but it lost the Record of the Year category to Lady Antebellum for "Need You Now." Oh,
1: I think I like "Need You Now," though. I ain't gonna lie. Yeah, right
0: for it to be a country song, I was like, okay, this kind of cool.
1: Like, like this kind of this song.
0: Okay. Now, I don't like it better than Empire State of Mind but I'm like okay at least I like mm-hmm. it you know? So. right
1: at least there's that
0: <laughs> right so I love this song this is a milestone for me and my baby sis because she she's not quite a fan but I love I'm it sorry. Empire State of Mind is definitely a fave and that is my well, second jam
1: <laughs> I love okay. that for you I love, I love it for you And it's a bad song it's just Not up there in my list of favorites. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's okay. (laughs) All right. Well, on to my second jam. Let's go to sleep in Paris. Wake up in Tokyo. Hey, have a dream in New Orleans, love in Chicago. Hey, hey, that's my song. Okay, (laughs) this is my jam. Paris, Tokyo by Lupe Fiasco. This is a Grammy nominated third single from Lupe's second studio album, Lupe Fiasco's The Cool, released in 2007. Now, the video made its TV premiere when MTV Jams made it the Jam of the Week on June 23rd, 2008. It also debuted on BET's 106 and Park on July 8th, 2008 as the new joint of the day. Do I remember MTV Jams? I don't know. Yeah? <laughs> Maybe you should?
0: I should,
1: uh, I definitely Honestly, should. I feel like I remember the name of the show more than I remember the show. Like I know MTV Jams was a thing, but like, do I remember watching it? Now there's also an official remix which features Pharrell Williams, Q-Tip, and fellow record label artist Sarah Green. I have not heard that, but it's mm-hmm. probably fire. Now, let me explain the inspiration behind the song, saying, I love Paris, I love Tokyo. And what inspired me to write the song was that between Food and Liquor, which is his album before this one, and mm. this album, we traveled everywhere. Multiple countries, multiple towns, multiple tours. So I just developed a knack and a love for touring, even if I didn't want to do it. And of mm. course, another side to it all is when you travel, you leave people behind.
2: So I mm. actually
1: wrote the song for my girl because I'd be gone so much, we'd go for two months at a time without seeing each other. So it's basically her song, just to let her know that wherever I go, she comes with me, even if it's just mentally or in spirit. That <gasps> I, was very love nice. that. I, I love do that. I love that so much. Yes, and he said in the song, wherever I go, she goes. Oh, and It's definitely a vibe. So I like that. I'd have been like, but can I actually come because I want to travel to you? Was just, I was just—I
0: was just about to say—and I've never been in Paris. I've never been to Tokyo, Mm-mm.
1: so like, can I? Can I go with you though? Is the thing?
0: We can. <laughs> I mean, she has something she was doing. I don't know.
1: Like, she can. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So oh, you sad. was talking about her.
0: I thought you were talking about us. Like, can we go with him?
1: Oh, I mean, like, I do too. I guess
0: he can, say me you met the girlfriend, met the girlfriend. girlfriend. Like, okay oh. <laughs> yeah i just yeah. had a few little drinks that's all
1: it is y'all. oh that's all right okay. yeah y'all we're probably the most lively to be in so far so again please give us some grace but lupe Fiasco was definitely like he had some hits back in the day and i wonder why he yes. just went away yes
0: because wasn't that lupe and i forget the other dude's name but that did a uh, superstar yeah. Yes. Feel, yes.
1: Oh, you
0: yes.
1: Girl, if okay. I didn't play that. Oof. Then he had anyway. this one song I like called Go Baby. Go baby go, baby. Go, baby. Go, baby. Go, baby Anyway. And that, go was jam, that was that so. was kick
0: push, right? Kick yeah. push. See, he, okay. He okay, so all mm-hmm. right. There go there go another episode. Okay. Right.
1: Here is Tokyo. It's my yes. second jam for today. Yes. They can. We can their. go on to your third.
0: Mm-hmm. So my third jam about geographic locations is "Georgia on My Mind" by Ray Charles. Oh, I love this song so much, and I love Ray Charles so much. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like this is new to me, even though it's kind of not, because I was thinking about all these Ray Charles songs that I love, and I'm like, wait, I love this one. I love this one. Like wait. Yep. So do I need Ray Charles on my wall? Okay, but that anyway. So the original Georgia On My Mind was a 1930 pop song written by Hoagie Carmichael and Stuart Gorrell, and published at the end of 1930 under the Southern Music Publishing Company. It has been asserted that Hoagie wrote the lyrics about his sister, Georgia, but he mm-hmm. cleared this up in his second autobiography, Sometimes I Wonder that a fellow musician friend told him he should write a song about the state of Georgia. Mm -hmm. And Hoagie jokingly volunteered the words, Georgia, Georgia, but then ended up using those words in the lyric at the (laughs) very beginning as he continued working on the song with his roommate, Stuart. Then in 1960, Georgia native Ray Charles came along and recorded his take on the song. And it went to number one on the Billboard Hot 100. Of course it did, because it was Ray Charles. I love love him. I love him so much. (laughs) From that time on, Ray Charles's version of the song became the most widely known version of the song, which makes sense to me because I was like, wow, there was another version of the song before Right, Ray's. Okay. I was like, wait, it what? became
1: the only known version.
0: <laughs> I mean, I was like, wow. And like 30 years prior for one, like 1930 was the original yeah, one. That's crazy. insane to me. So not only was his the most widely known version, it also became the song most associated with his music career. Mm-hmm. Which which in a way, this surprised me because I would have thought it was Hit the Road, Jack. Hmm. But, you know, no. but no, I guess not. Huh? Mm-hmm. But like my favorite Ray Charles songs, and it's hard to pick, but I love Nighttime is the Right Time. Oh, yes. And Eleanor Rigby which mm. girl by the way this might I might be dipping into another episode I did not know that he remade Eleanor Rigby The Beatles oh. made it first who no. knew I yeah. did I did not know until like a few years ago and I was like oh I mean it's real cool Anyway just a few fun facts about the gene In 1979 the song was designated as the state song of Georgia and he was invited to perform it at the state Capitol. The TV show Designing Women used an instrumental version of the song as its opening theme. During the open credits of his sixth season in 1991, he performed his version of the song live on piano as the cast looked on as its opening credits. Mm-hmm. I know. I, I love that. It's so awesome. In 2003... Mm-hmm. The Rolling Stone magazine named his version of Georgia on my mind, the 44th greatest song of all time. The original lyrics, including the commonly excised introductory verse, which is probably like my favorite part of the song. It's so weird. (laughs) Like my favorite part (laughs) is the first verse. So the lyrics are in the Georgia code under license. So it's protected heavy by the state of Georgia code.
1: (laughs) It's serious about it. Uh, Yeah, I thought that was
0: so interesting. I'm like, no, nobody else is touching this song. Okay, Georgia, I feel,
1: you know. Okay. You know, something interesting and funny about something you said earlier. Mm -hmm. Wow. 30 years prior that original song to Ray Charles song. But uh, this is 2023. And I'm sure we're doing stuff with songs from 93, which was 30 years ago. And it very much does not seem like a long time. So probably the way it that song wasn't that old. Wasn't that old? Wow. You know? That's crazy. Well, 30 years really ain't nothing. I mean, it's, it's not. Because 30, 30 is years you You know? Cause... You know? Because I don't know. <laughs> That's just the way time is going these days. But that is very cool. Yes. Yeah, I didn't know.
0: That's my jam. Cool.
1: All right. On to my third jam. My unofficial favorite. Favorite. Every episode I say is favorite. No, it's not. It's not a favorite. What I mean when I say my favorite, y'all, is the one I was most excited to include in the episode. That's what I really mean. <laughs> it's not necessarily my favorite song. It's just very the one good. Where I'm like yes, this one. Come up with the topic. This, this, what this
0: one to about do. this topic. I got to talk about this yes. one right here. I'm with you. So that's
1: where we at. Thank you. This one is Homecoming, a song by American hip hop recording artist I already know, John <laughs> West. <laughs> <laughs> it was included as the 12th song on his third studio album, Graduation. You know, I just mentioned the number, the track number on the album. Why would I used to pay attention to that? Like, when I used to get a CD, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's number seven. For some reason, number seven on the CD was always my favorite. I think every CD I ever bought, number seven was hitting. And I used to think a lot about, like, what the artist might have been thinking when they put the songs in a particular order on the album and stuff like that. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I see why they put this next. And these feel good together. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else thinks about that. But I really used to pay attention to, like, what number a song was. Like, yes, number seven I already know going to hit. I just died on Amory's album is number seven. It's definitely Mm. like almost my favorite song of all time. (laughs) And I just love I don't know, but anyway. I never I never paid attention to that. Yeah, I do. I pay attention. I don't know. It's a weird little thing. But this is number twelve. On his (laughs) album. Congratulations. (laughs) Yes. Now the track was produced by Kanye with Warren Campbell and features a guest appearance from Chris Martin, the lead vocalist of the British alternative rock band, Coldplay. Mm -hmm. never realized that's who was on this song with him. The dude from Coldplay, I didn't know who he was.
0: Yes, I I love some Coldplay. Yes.
1: So the collaboration between West and Martin occurred when the two teamed up for an impromptu jam session following a chance encounter on Valentine's Day at the Abbey Road Studios located in London, England. Now, during the session, they composed the track by making alterations to the instrumental and lyrical content of one of Kanye's earlier recordings of the song. And actually, at one point, the song was intended to have John Legend doing that part. Oh, okay. It was was going to be
0: fire either way then.
1: It was going to be fire regardless, yeah, but... (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, so, Homecoming is written as a tribute dedicated to Kanye's hometown of Chicago, Illinois.
2: Mm. Uh, his
1: conceptual lyricism expresses an extended metaphor where he personifies Chicago as a childhood sweetheart to convey his relationship with the city. And it took me a little bit to realize that that's what he was doing in the song. Like, I definitely didn't catch it the first time I listened to the song until he gets to the part where he's like, if you don't know by now, I'm talking about Chi-town. And I'm like, oh... I thought you were talking about a girl. <laughs> so, upon its release, Homecoming received mixed reviews from contemporary music critics. Though um, was complimented for his introspective, introspective lyricism and storytelling abilities, Martin's contribution was met with polarizing reactions, with many criticizing his appearance on the song due to him not being from Chicago. Which is an interesting point. Like, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about that, sister? Do you think it's a problem I mean, that he features somebody that's not a Chicago native on the song? No, I think they doing too much.
0: And I think that might be They're our school. Epicritic. Let's let's go, let's yeah. make that yeah. up.
1: Wait minute, we don't want to start bringing up. Epicritic. he's not from <laughs> Chicago?
0: It's Kanye's song featuring hey, Chris Martin. Kanye, Kanye is from Chicago. Leave it at that. You're just looking for something.
1: That's true. And honestly, can't anybody like honor a city like you? Ain't got to be for me to be like, yeah, Chicago is lit.
0: Yeah. Like, what if my man just appreciates
1: Chicago? (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Maybe a lot of people love Chicago. Like, I love Chicago. I'm not from there, but I love Chicago. Mm -hmm. I mean, so I can't be on the song because I'm not from Chicago. You're doing too much. Mm -hmm. Whoever critic, whoever critic said that. (laughs) Whoever said that.
1: (laughs) Well, anyway. Now the music video was very well received and praised for the way that Kanye's hometown is visually paid homage. It was nominated for Best Hip Hop Video at the 2008 MTV Music Awards and the single is certified platinum. It is definitely a jam. Okay, yes. this is my jam. And I just love the way it sounds like I don't even know how to describe how it sounds but y'all y'all heard the song. It's It's got like cheering, like people cheering in it and it's like it just makes me think of like a parade or a celebration of some sort. It just sounds so happy. It feels so good. It feels like Chicago. It feels like Michigan Avenue. It feels like Lake Shore Drive. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like the taste of Chicago. It feels like the bean. It feels like everything. Okay? It feels yeah. like the city. And I love it. Everything.
0: I just love, it, it. love it. Love Chicago, it. the great city it is. I got it. Everything. I got it.
1: Mm-hmm. I just very much enjoy the jam. And that, mm-hmm. my friends, was my third jam. Come on, Chicago. Come yes. on, shy city. And you say shy. And you say shy. shy city. I'm home again. Hey.
0: <laughs> all right, sister. Love that. My fourth jam is California Love by Tupac featuring Dr. Dre and Roger Troutman. We had to mention this one, right? Like how could we do this episode without mentioning California Love? From couldn't the nineteen have. we couldn't have or else just fire us. Uh basically. Whoever would fire us. From throw the, the nineteen. Whole away. <laughs> uh, right, throw the whole podcast away. From the nineteen ninety six album All Eyes on Me, California Love was the first single from the album and was released in late 1995 under the infamous death row records label. The song was considered Tupac's comeback single after his release from prison in 1995. And it was his first single as the newest artist signed to death row records. Now there was apparently an original version of the song that was six minutes and 29 seconds in length. That was not available on Tupac's studio albums because it was supposed to be included on Dr. Dre's album, The Chronic 2, A New World Older, not order, older. But, (laughs) But that album was shelved, but it can now be found on Tupac's greatest hits album and on the UK version of All Eyes On Me. Now, everyone knows... That this became a huge hit for Tupac because California Love was everywhere, literally everywhere. I mean, it's on commercials now. Like I heard some commercial, like it still is. Honestly,
1: yeah,
0: right. Like I heard, I don't know who it was for. Don't give me the line about what the, the commercial was for, but it was playing California Love. I'm like, and it's 2023, you know? Right. It was a hit, and it went number one in at least five different countries that I found. And here in the States, it went number one on four different Billboard charts, including the Hot 100.
1: I love California, look. Let's see.
0: Hey.
1: hey, I'm here for it. Um, So my fourth jam is Beverly Hills a song by American rock band Weezer. Mm. Yes. <laughs> it is the first single from the band's fifth album, Make Believe. Beverly Hills was released to U.S. radio on March 28, 2005. And the song features Stephanie Idol, I think might be her last name. Sorry, Stephanie, if it's not. Of Agent Sparks uh-huh. on the course on backup vocals, performing the Gimme! Jimmy Hook. Okay, y'all know that little part. Mm -hmm. Now, (laughs) Rivers Cuomo's story behind Beverly Hills was, I was at the opening of the New Hollywood Bowl, and I flipped through the program, and I saw a picture of Wilson Phillips. And for some reason, I just thought how nice it would be to marry, like, an established celebrity and live in Beverly Hills and be part of that world. And it was a totally sincere desire. And then I wrote that song, Beverly Hills, for some reason, by the time it came out and the video came out, it got twisted around into something that seemed sarcastic. But originally, it wasn't meant to be sarcastic at all. And that's a funny quote because I thought this song was sarcastic. I, 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 when I hear this song, it gives like you know, like a sad, like, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. feeling like it, it's trying to be funny, <laughs> but I guess it's not. It's a real song, I mean, you know. It's just a little song, but like, mm-hmm. they're serious. I don't know. Maybe something about the way they sing the song, and it just sounds like it was supposed to be funny, but apparently it was not. Mm-hmm. So, the song is the band's most commercially successful single. It topped the Billboard Modern Rock charts for a week, spending months near the top of the Billboard Hot 100. It peaked at number 10, and being certified gold on June 6, 2005. The song was nominated for Best Rock Song at the forty-eighth Annual Grammy Awards, the first ever nomination for the band. So, oh, nice! That that time, Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, the video for the song was nominated at the two thousand five MTV Video Music Awards for Best Rock Video, and the music video was actually filmed at the Playboy Mansion, which is not in Beverly Hills, (laughs) but it's in the neighboring community of. Be who. Oh, okay. So just. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So, like, maybe y'all should pick somewhere that's be actually best. in Girl, They had
0: to be in the Playboy Mansion, I guess.
1: So they wanted to be in the Playboy Mansion, and Hugh Hefner and uh, a few of the popular Playboy bunnies uh, make a cameo appearance at the beginning of the uh, video. I think the bunny Holly, I think was her name Her name was Holly, mm-hmm. and then maybe like Rachel, not Rachel, that other one's name. Girl, oh, I can't remember her name. It was like Pamela Anderson. Nope. And, no, man, that was like <laughs> that was like. <laughs> that she was a bunny in like the
0: nineties. I'm, I'm tripping, y'all. I don't know oh, no. Playboy. I don't know Holly and Kendra.
1: Her name was Kendra. Holly um, in the video, and then another one whose name I don't know. Okay, but yeah, but it was good. It's That's just a jam that I felt like I had to include because I you know I feel like it's just a. A pop culture staple I feel like you hear that song in random movies and you just hear it all over the place <laughs> and it's actually a pretty good song so that's my <laughs> y'all know it <laughs> y'all know it
0: <laughs>
1: so that's my
0: fourth jam okay I am here for it because that is a nice little pop mm-hmm. and my last jam, my last jam in our geographic locations traveling journey I took a pill in Ibiza the CB remix by Mike Posner I took a pill in Ibiza is a song by American singer Mike Posner now the original version was released in April of 2015 And it's a folk pop track and it is acoustic guitar based. I was not a fan of the original version I have to say. Hmm. However it was remixed a few months later by Norwegian production duo CB. Now this is the version that I like. I like it a lot. Then they played it on Chicago radio a lot because I remember hearing this back at home in Chicago. And now, this is the version because it has it has more of a, like a house techno vibe that I like. Mm-hmm. The other one was really slow, and I'm cool with slow. I just wasn't feeling that one. Both versions are on his second studio album, At Night Alone, under the mm-hmm. Island Records record label. The title references the Mediterranean island Ibiza that is part of the Balearic Islands of Spain. While the pill is this mystery drug, according to Mike, <laughs> but he la- but he later confirmed that the drug in question was MDMA. The original version of the song was basically unknown, honestly. But then this okay. remix came out, and they see here again, my sister always saying, "My sister love a remix." I definitely, love a remix I, <laughs> I, I, I definitely do. I definitely do. Mm-hmm. This remix came out, and all of a sudden, it helped the song peak within the top 10 of the music charts in 27 different countries. Oh. Right. Wow. In- including hitting number four here in the States on the Billboard Hot 100. See what a remix will do for you?
1: A remix will do it every time.
0: <laughs> right. And I remember reading a quote. I don't remember what it said specifically, but. The duo that did the remix CB, they were like, "Hey, we like this song, we like his voice, but the soundscape needs to be completely different." Let's make it this. And I was like, "Y'all were right because you eh, know it." They be <laughs> right, they be doing yeah. like you said. So, the remix to me fits the song more. It has more of like an island beach techno party vibe to it than the original version. Mm-hmm. However, it makes sense that the original had this softer acoustic vibe, because I'm going to get into the inspiration behind the song. Now, per Mike, in 2015, he was reflecting on the fact that his fame had faded since his debut album in 2010. He was feeling empty inside, so he decided to tag along on a trip to Ibiza with his DJ friend Avicii for a gig that he, that Avicii mm-hmm. had. So he went. And while he was there, they were hanging out at the gig until someone recognized Mike and was like, hey, are you Mike Posner? (laughs) Under under the influence of alcohol, Mike was like, yeah, I am. So dude is like, F yeah, we're partying with Mike Posner. He (laughs) holds up a little bag of pills and he's like, you want one? Mike goes, Uh... F it. Yeah, I do want one. So he noted how he felt amazing after taking the pill. He felt better <laughs> than he'd ever had before. And when he came down, he felt 10 years older. Oh, Lord. I was like, that's interesting. That's I wonder ex- I wonder exactly what that means. Like, I would love more detail on that. Like, you felt 10 years older. How? <laughs> like, what do
1: you mean? Like, was your back hurting more? Because that's Right,
0: it. <laughs> right. Right. Or like like it what do you mean? Right. What does that mean? Like I would love to know more about that. But he called the success of the remix beautiful and ironic because he wrote this sad song when he was in a very painful place. But then this remix came out and made everyone feel joyous and like they wanted to have a great time. And he loved that that is what people got from the song. And that's probably one of the greatest feel- feelings you could have as an artist. He said, I love the song. And if y'all have never heard of it, I look forward to hearing what you think about it.
1: Yeah, so this is one I didn't know, you guys. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm with y'all. I got to head to the playlist. <laughs> Take a well, listen, because I don't know this one too much.
0: Well, I was a huge fan of Chicago Morning Radio um, in the morning with Mick in the morning mix with uh I forget the station in Chicago. But it mm. was a uh, Eric and Kathy morning show which he's gone now because of a whole sexual harassment mess. But oh lord. Yeah, girl. Anyway, but That's they used okay. to play it on the uh morning show in the morning back in Chicago that I would listen to before going to work. And they would play this and I'm like, "This is fire."
1: Mm. Mhm. Very cool. Well, Thank you, and I shall move on to my fifth and final jam. Mm-hmm. This one is "In Words in Paris." <laughs> Come on, Kanye, yes. Jay Z. Uh huh. Yes. Sorry, I got Kanye in here twice. I'm gonna stop apologizing for what I like. Okay, <laughs> right. This it's is my jam. <laughs> this my market. So. This is from Jay-Z and Kanye's collaborative album, Watch the Throne, which was rela- er, released released, which was released in 2011. The song is built around a synth bell loop from the Dirty South Bangas Music Library and contains vocal samples from Baptizing Scene by Reverend W.A. Donaldson, which I went and listened to a snippet of that and uh, I'm not sure what I heard. Y'all. Mm. But I, I listened to it. Okay. It was... Like a, I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) I don't know even how to describe it. Um, N-Words in Paris also includes an interpolation of Victory by Puff Daddy featuring the notorious Biagi and Busta Rhymes. And it includes dialogue excerpts from the 2007 film Blades of Glory. I know y'all know those parts (laughs) in the song. Mm -hmm. Now, on the week of the album's release, the song debuted at number 75 on the Billboard Hot 100, eventually peaking at number five. Mm-hmm. The song won Best Rap Performance and Best Rap Song at the 55th Annual Grammy Awards, and mm. the video received a nomination for Video of the Year at the 2012 BET Awards, losing to the duo's other song, Otis. Yeah, That's okay. Right, anyway. Du- all, all right.
0: We have talked about Otis already. So, okay.
1: All right. Yes, mm-hmm. and that video for Otis is definitely fire. So, I mean, agree. You know, every...
0: Nothing tops Otis. Sorry, but At okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, "In Words in Paris was performed on the Watch the Throne tour a lot. Okay. Mm-hmm. In the early stops of the tour, the song was performed three times. Kanye and Jay Z began performing the song more than thrice at the Mm -hmm. Miami show at American Airlines Arena by performing it five times. Then the song was played six times. I think that
0: was us that had American Airlines Arena.
1: I thought it was American Airlines Stadium. Oh. I think it's called Center. Oh, okay. In Dallas, the American Airlines. (laughs) Arena. <laughs> in my I'd be confused. Okay. Yes, okay. Now, the songs played six times at TD Gardens in Boston on November 21st, 2011, setting a record for the tour at the time. Okay, so we up to six. It went on and on from there, getting all the way up to ten performances on the last few tour stops around December of 2011. Now, on June 1st, 2012, during their first date in Paris, they actually broke the record, performing the song 11 times. They claimed themselves that the record was held by Los Angeles when Jay-Z said the record is held by L.A. with 10 times. But this song isn't called in words in Los Angeles. We've got to break this record and break it to 11. <laughs> I come here. First of all, hey, the song is called in Paris, okay? Not in L.A. So well, we got to do it big when we in Paris. How did you not? You gotta go. And listen, yeah, and like we and y'all saying say.
2: We and y'all city. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so finally, even that record, the eleven times, was broken a couple of weeks later when they performed the hit a whopping twelve times at the same Parisian venue. So okay. that seems like a lot. That seems a bit excessive, but okay.
0: <laughs> but okay. Bet you they was there. Bet you Day okay. was there for every performance. I mean,
1: and bet I will be jamming if I was hearing it. I listen to it twelve times in a row. If you want to play it, because it's a jam. And
0: you you like hey? Then you just like again, again,
1: <laughs> again, encore. <laughs> nothing else. That's it. It's Especially awesome if I'm in Jason, Paris. Encore, cool.
2: encore. Cool.
1: Cool. Which is also another jersey song. If I'm at a Kanye and Jay-Z concert and I'm in Paris and the song N words in Paris exists, yeah, like, just sing it 12 times. It's cool. Just sing it 12
0: times because I'ma listen to times. it 12 times and I'm a dance to it twelve times. times. That's just
1: And then I'm probably getting the call on the way to the house and play it again. But you know, right. it's my business, as Tabitha Brown would say.
0: Right. It's my okay?
1: okay. So that's a lovely my selection.
0: <laughs> my fifth and final jam. And hey, y'all, that's it for us on our struggle episode.
1: Y'all, well, yeah. <laughs> we hope this doesn't come across as a struggle episode, but dear Lord, it was. It was a struggle episode. We would be like it. We hope you got some jams at the very least. Just listen to the playlist and feel joy. Because if the, if the episode will be good for you, the playlist surely will
0: every day. And the so the social media content will be good too, y'all. Go over there. And
1: it'll be good. So, you know, we'll keep a short sweet on our <laughs> way out. Social media is my sisters jam on Instagram and Facebook. Email my sisters jam at Gmail if you need to holler at us. Is there anything else, my sister?
0: That is it, and we're gonna get on off here. Bye y'all. Muchas gracias y adios. Bye.